Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of the law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD, located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Hello and welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman and today I'm with Jack Fair, whose business is Fair Risk Consulting. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi, Hindel. How are you today? I'm wonderful. It's a lovely day, sunny, and spring is coming, so I feel some optimism. So tell me what uh, risk management is all about, or risk consulting. So Hindel, I've I've launched this business that is not provided anywhere. It's something really exciting to me, and I call it concierge personal risk management. Okay. And it's risk management for individuals, something that I've been doing for many years with companies and, and thought... Families uh, really need to benefit from that kind of a uh, that kind of an approach and those services. What kinds of risks are you talking about? Well, if if you think about kind of your life and mine, we we go through a series of of milestone events, and so I've articulated that in in the form of eighteen different things that may or may not happen to any one person, and they range from things like getting ready to, for retirement, to caring for a parent, to uh, losing your job, or even coming out of a divorce. And uh-huh. so kind of a whole range of things that people think about and hopefully prepare for. So these are 18 potential life events. Inevitably, someone will experience at least one of them, hopefully not at the same time. More than once. That's a certainty because one of my 18 events is end of life. So that's, uh, that <laughs> would be no. <laughs> okay. Guaranteed. Well, first, tell us a little about yourself, Jack. Hendel, I, back in the day, I was a, an FBI agent and uh, something I always wanted to do for my career and, and enjoyed it thoroughly. So you took and risks. <laughs> I did. T- well, I would suggest that I, I actually managed those risks pretty well because FBI agents they usually travel in packs. So I felt pretty safe. And um, I'm a trained accountant. I was a CPA and and then had some corporate jobs like uh, chief risk officer of Iron Mountain and chief security officer of Fidelity Investments. Those are pretty substantial positions. Yeah. They were a lot of fun, global jobs. The, the Fidelity job also afforded me the opportunity to, to live and work overseas for three years. So Got a really good understanding as to how the global economy worked. But you know, the, the one consistent theme of all those jobs is uh, you really have to try to do the best you can to do the right thing because the job itself is helping others also do the right thing. And mm-hmm. if you're not setting a good example, it's hard to be successful in those roles. I see. So you've managed your personal risks well then? I've tried. Um, uh-huh. I do it mostly pretty well, but, you know, everybody has their bad days. (laughs) A little screw up here and there, huh? That we fix quickly. Exactly. All right, Jack. So one of the 18 risks to identify is divorce, right? And since that's my business, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. (laughs) So, Hindel, I've I've come up with a different term for that, if you will. I call it a change in family structure. Good. That sounds good. But it describes not only people kind of coming through a divorce, but also people who've been through it, and now they're entering into a new relationship. And you know, I'll get, give you a couple of examples of how that plays out, at least in, in my practice. Good. I have a client who's 
who was divorced and, and now living with somebody different. And they both have adult children from previous marriages. And what goes into the planning and the, and the thoughtfulness on that kind of a, of a situation? There's a financial aspect. There's an insurance part of it. There's a legal part. You know, when, when the boyfriend says, hey, honey, I'm going to take care of you, what does that look like? And, and how much detail do you get into? And the way I work with my clients in, in that set of circumstances is that if they want to have a conversation and, and ask their new partner, hey, what exactly does that mean when you say I'm going to take care of you? Then depending on what they're willing to share or not, then my client makes different adjustments. So, you know, for example, they have a house that they're renting out because they've moved in with their partner. Right. Well, do they have an escape clause in the lease to make sure that they can get back in their house if they need to? And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's, and, and then whether, what other insurances do they take out for themselves yeah. based on how they're being looked after? So there's a lot of moving parts and, the really difficult part is is understanding how they all fit together. Yeah. And, and that's that's the challenge here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly good to be aware of your circumstances and certainly aware of the risks and manage them as opposed to letting them just happen without foreseeing them. One of that, while you were talking, reminded me of something that I'm particularly sensitive to, which is, I call it real estate agreements, is where two pe- unmarried people buy a house together. I mean, whether they could, they don't necessarily need to be romantically involved, but they could just realize the benefits of purchasing a piece of real estate. And then one wants out or the relationship falls apart if they're together and how to extricate themselves from this illiquid asset, namely real estate. So I even required my daughter, who was then living with her boyfriend, and they bought a townhouse together to, to have one of these simple agreements of, you know, just identifying what each one had put in to the purchase and how they were going to get them out of this deal if the relationship fell apart, which were you know, either one would buy the other out or they'd sell the property. But at least there was some meeting of the minds, as they say, on the topic. I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, coincidentally, back in the day, I bought my very first house with my fraternity brother. Oh. And, and we did exactly that. We had you an did. agreement. Mm-hmm. And if we couldn't reach agreement on disposition, then the house was sold. Yes. Well, you were ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> Even then, you were managing your risk. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the, the other part you were talking about divorce is what I've also found with some of my other clients is their spouse might have had all the relationships with the paid advisors while they were married. So yeah, I see that it, a lot. You know, it, it, the financial advisor and the, and the CPA and, and, and other people. So I'm also finding myself working with spouses who are creating their no, their own network now. Right. And what I'm hoping on occasion is rather than they simply go directly to a financial advisor is maybe they consider coming to me first. I do work with a number of clients who already have financial advisors and yeah. and some of them are getting great service and some of them are not getting nearly the level of service that they're entitled to based on what they're paying. And mm-hmm. so it's just to make sure that my clients kind of optimize what their what the services available to them are. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to know the quality of what you're getting. And you're right about divorce. I mean, there are relationships there with the CPA, with the financial advisor, if they have one about this, with a state planner. And sometimes one spouse doesn't have as strong a connection as the other. 
And often one spouse is kind of leading, we'll call it leading the charge with these things. You know, one is a follower and one is more of a leader and instigator. I think both, both people need to be instigators. Exactly. And, and then the really hard part is the follower, in your example, frequently doesn't like to ask a lot of questions because mm-hmm. they feel like they're going to slow things down. So things sound okay to them when they're in the meeting with the, with the advisor. And then they go home and they go, what did they really tell me? And mm-hmm. so that's where I spend a lot more time with my clients to, quite frankly, teach them more about some of these issues, whether they're um, tax issues or the financial advice kinds of issues, yeah. just so they're better educated. Yeah. And then what questions to ask. Exactly. Yeah. Even adults feel nervous about asking questions sometimes for fear of looking stupid. Well, and, and then and then I also go to the next step, which is I'll attend the meetings with my clients, with the mm. financial advisors. Because yeah. even if I give them questions to ask and they get the answers, they won't know to ask a follow-up question if there is one. So you can interpret for them after the meeting. Exactly. Right. Prepare them ahead of time to, for questions to ask and then uh, interpret the answers. Exactly. Yeah, that's very useful. Just getting back to divorce, of course, you know, some people, sometimes they represent the person who's initiating the divorce and sometimes the person who is not. But regardless, I sometimes also represent the person who doesn't know much about what's going on financially in the marriage. And it's, I think both people really should take advantage of the opportunity to learn that and not defer. I know there's a division of labor often in these, in any relationship, but at least having some understanding and familiarity with where things are, how much is there, and having an ongoing and open conversation about finances and how to manage them. So in those cases, Hindel, when you're speaking to the the spouse who may be not as, as uh, knowledgeable, are you taking the extra time to kind of teach them or do you bring somebody in? How, how do you do that? It would be great to have someone like you in that situation to, you know, let help them figure out how they're going to change, evolve their lives, organize their lives in the future, what services they need, uh, what experts they need, what advisors they need. It's it's a little overwhelming. Of course, during the divorce, we bring in advisors sometimes to help with tax issues or financial issues because sometimes those help those advisors help settle cases. You know, yeah. that little piece of tax advice or a little piece of financial advice might be the one little trick that gets one person off, uh, you know, off the position that they've taken or onto a position that they should take. But someone like you to help people transition themselves and plan for their lives and guard against risks, it'd be great. That'd be a great asset. You know, the, the uh, big part of the reason I got into this business that I'm offering now was the uh, was my experience with the Alzheimer's Association, uh-huh. and um, I I used to be on the national board, and uh-huh. also my my mother in law lived with us for a few years who had Alzheimer's. I see. And it occurred to me that that people kind of after a certain point in their life, as they age, it becomes harder and harder to look after yourself, and and particularly in terms of with the technology the way it is today how to deal with the financial part of it, how to maintain your online security, you know, all those things, having somebody else in your life that you can trust to help you put some controls on things that unfortunately, God forbid, if, if you lose your identity or, or it's stolen, yeah, if you will, then, then there are a lot of good controls that can be put in place to 
minimize or, or even eliminate your losses. Oh, do you know some? There are some, a couple that a lot of people recommend, and I do as well. When I, when I sit down with any of my clients, I say to them, let's assume that your social security number and your date of birth have already been stolen because mm. some of the, the high profile breaches that we've had in the last few years, there's a better than even chance that that's happened. Yeah. So given that, in terms of your identity, if you put the uh, what they call security freezes on your three credit reporting agencies, then you could mostly eliminate the possibility of someone creating a loan in your name, uh, usually in the form of getting credit cards. So you kind of you kind of stop that part, and then in terms of people stealing money out of your own bank accounts, yeah. then the practice is to use what's called multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication, which is simply after you log into your account, are you also required to enter a code that gets texted to you or something like that? Got and right, if, yeah. you, if you do those two things, yeah. you're ahead of like 95% of the people in this country because most people don't do it. Wow. So when you look at the bad guys, the bad guys go where it's easiest. So if they try to, to try to access your account and they need another code, they just go on to the next person. Okay. They were like, find an obstacle. And there, there are many other things to do as you know, depending on people's individual circumstances, but yeah, those are two of the, the highlights. All right. So talking about um, security freezes on credit reports, how do you actually do that? You have to uh, log in. There are three agencies, uh, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Yeah. And you have to log into each one. And they're kind of a series of prompts to follow. And they're mostly called a security freeze. And you just want to make sure that whatever you're signing up for is free of charge. Because some of them will try to, you know, sell you different services, which you don't really need. Okay. Good to know. I'm going to circulate that in my family. Thanks for the tip. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your business is fascinating because it's like you're the um, you're a family member that goes around to tell every to help everyone say, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you do you sure you have enough insurance or, you know, have you done your estate plan? Uh, do you have a financial advisor? We should look at these things and they would benefit you and probably you know, persuade people and, and educate people to the benefits of all these extra services and how we can manage our lives better. That, that, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and everybody's got a different pain point and we just go to those first. What I have found is that the one consistent theme among all my clients and my clients are anywhere from their, in their twenties to in their seventies. And they're all individually interested in knowing more about what they should be focused on. So they're, they're not trying to prove to me that everything's good. They yeah. have a they have a level of confidence to say, yeah, I'm okay finding out that maybe I'm not doing everything the way I should be. Yeah, and it, and it's a combination though of kind of protecting the things that you have, but it's also taking advantage of opportunities to to get better at things. So it, it's it's not just hunkering down; it's also expanding and knowing what risks that you should take. So you're the person to call when someone's making some life decisions. I, I I hope to be able to help that way. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's of great value. You know, if someone instead of just relying on their friends who have 
maybe marginal experience or give marginal advice, you turn to you who has a lot of experience and well-educated and a lot of, uh, a lot of good advice. <laughs> so, 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 you know, Hindell that the, and you're, what you're describing, of course, is what happens every day with most people, right? They, they go to their family or friends who they trust, but how frequently when they ask for advice, do they stop for a couple of hours and explain to that person everything that's happening in their life or tell them all of what their financial holdings are and all of what the other things are. Right. And so unfortunately it's a little bit of garbage in garbage out. They give limited information and they get really limited advice. Right. So I, I call that context. I use that word every day in multiple situations because unless you have all like, you know, the context of the situation, it's hard to render advice. So just like their situation, if if a friend, if a person asks a friend, they're not going to divulge all those things, embarrassing things that, you know, when they're asking a friend for advice, I'll just tell the friend a little bit of information. And then if the, the advice doesn't have a lot of value. That's exactly right. Or as much value as your advice would be. Certainly. I'm going I'm to use your word context from now on. Please. Feel free. <laughs> I don't have a trademark on it, but it would be great. I think it's a great word. Yeah. So you're the person that they can confide in too. I mean, without judgment. That's right. And and I, I work very hard. I you know, I at the beginning of my practice, I actually took on a couple of very close friends as clients uh-huh. who felt comfortable showing me what they had. And one of them said to me, you know, you have a lot of great advice, but but you can also have some strong opinions. And <laughs> I said, Well, that's that's the friendly advice. The, the professional advice is not that. The professional advice is, is a balanced view, and it's based on my client's personality, not, not based on what I would do. Uh-huh. So I might get the same set of circumstances from two different people and, and offer two different paths, depending on how they want to live their life. All right. Yeah, because some people have, well, people have definitely have different attitudes about money, about saving or spending. That's right. Uh, or being charitable or not charitable or, you know, buying insurances or life insurance or disability insurance. People have opinions about those things. So you tailor your advice to the to the person. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's important. And you're a good listener. I can see. I, I try <laughs> to be. Yeah. And what my clients get from me is they get um, they get real integrity mm-hmm. and they get confidentiality. Mm-hmm. So. I don't disclose to anybody who my clients are. And obviously, if they want to refer me to their friends and family, which they've done, they're telling them that they're utilizing my services. But I don't I don't share that with anybody else. Yeah. So can you give us some examples of how you can benefit people? Some hypothetical situations without names? Yeah. yeah. So I had a recent client, somebody who has a net worth in the millions of dollars, mm-hmm. utilizing a a financial advisor for a number of years. And so they provided me their with their their financial holdings and I kind of looked at it and said, "Hey, let I have a few questions of your advisor." And and they said, "Well, how about if I just put you on the phone with me and the advisor?" And that's okay. so we did that. And you know that the market that we've been in the last year with the interest rates being so low. Yeah. I asked the financial advisor, "Have you bought any bonds?" for the client in the last six or nine months. And they said, yes. And I said, okay, so after the fee that you charge to manage the account, was the client actually 
earning any money on those bonds or was was the client in a negative earning position? And the financial advisor started to tell me about the broader return on the bond portfolio. I said, no, I understand the, the broader context, but I'm just talking about the last nine months. And at that point, the conversation didn't go very well. And, and <laughs> But, but it's a case where, I mean, and the client had been with the advisor for probably 20 years. Yeah. And, and the advisors, with a lot of their clients, they're used to the clients just kind of letting them do what they're going to do and act on their best behalf. And sometimes you need to pay a little bit closer attention to it. Yeah. And even in that discussion, that same client, very charitable person who gives tens of thousands of dollars a year to charity. And I said to the client, have you ever considered a donor advised fund? Mm-hmm. And the client said, what's that? Mm-hmm. Now, a financial advisor who has a client with millions of dollars who's never talked to them about a donor advised fund, that's a huge missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's tax planning involved. There's cash management involved. There, there, there are a lot of things that really would benefit the client. So yeah. those are a couple of examples where, again, Client has a financial advisor, has a CPA, and yet between those two paid advisors, nobody said anything. Yeah. It takes takes advisors to be proactive. I actually just learned about donor-advised funds this year and uh, know some people who have actually invested in them as a result. Not not from my advice. I didn't even know they existed, and I'm not a financial advisor, but uh, there are plenty of – there are a lot of vehicles and opportunities out there. So you do count on your advisors to be knowledgeable and make suggestions. I think a lot of them do a great job, and yeah. and I've had some sort of tremendously useful conversations with financial advisors who are working with other clients of mine. But I can tell right away if they're getting their money's worth, and and usually the big piece that's missing is the integrated financial plan that that uh, most people know that they're going to pay, you know, generally call it one percent of their assets under management, right. What they don't know is for that money, they should also be receiving this financial plan that that pulls in all of their holdings, even if they're not with the financial advisor. Right. And so that's when I say, are they getting their money's worth is we start with that. Yeah. Well, that financial planning aspect is really so fast, fabulous, particularly when you start drawing down your retirement assets, where which ones you draw down first, in what order, kind of plan with your Social Security. Exactly. Yeah. So it's helpful on the way up to retirement. It's also help, helpful upon retirement and the years after. The, the, the other thing that I'm seeing, Hindell, is that I have a, a couple of clients who thankfully have been very successful in their lives, mm-hmm. but their, their approach and how they um, did things when they were 30 years old, it worked for them then. But now that they're in their 50s and 60s, they're in a whole different kind of different level. Yeah, and that's where you have to start to take a step up in in their overall uh, advisor network and say, are we saving money at certain places, but we should be protecting more of the 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 estate? Yeah, and get at some of the big picture questions. Yeah, and so my clients are reacting very well to some of those uh, considerations as well. Yeah, once people find advisors, it seems like they don't change very often, and maybe they should. Probably where it's hard. There, there's clearly a, a momentum thing. You know, they, they I mean, it, it's it's like anybody. You get used to talking to someone and, and get used to them knowing more about you. 
it takes a lot to move away. Yeah. I ask my clients when I when I start working with them two questions about their financial advisor mm-hmm. is one, do they know what they pay? Mm-hmm. And two, is the advisor, how's the performance been? Yeah. And but there there are some very clear answers to that, but a lot of people unfortunately can't answer those questions. And um so we we teach them how to look for that as well. Mm-hmm. And yes, you mentioned before about the insurance and and there's some easy things to do on the insurance side that that will protect people, but it's really people first understanding what their risks are. My my new favorite one, Hindell, uh-huh. is a notion of wearing this is kind of free advertisement if you will. Um <laughs> something called a road ID. So uh-huh. it's a little bracelet that uh, that I now wear when I cycle. And it has my name and it has uh, names of my family members with their phone numbers. And it has my blood type and 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 my uh, whatever uh, allergic reactions I'll have to medications. So if I, if I fall and I'm unconscious, someone can call the ambulance I and say, hey, right? Know who you are and what you need. Yeah, exactly. So, but in the same sense, if you're if you're out by yourself or if you're, you know, you're kind of, you're going for a run or a walk in the woods. And so I'm starting to recommend that to some of my clients who are more active people to say, this is, it's a short investment for potentially a lot of benefit. Yeah. Managing risk. Exactly. Of, of being lost or injured, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, we talked about financial risk. We talked about insurance risk. We talked about divorce, of course. Any other topic, any of the other 18 or, or more that you want to talk about? I don't know if you want to talk about, I mean, I, I referenced caring for a parent. So we, yeah. we've covered some of that. Yeah. I think the uh, the security part is something that I'd like to touch on just for a minute. Good. I'd like to hear that. And it, it's, I, I did some research for a presentation I did not too long ago. And and so we're not talking about the the very infrequent terrorist attack or anything like that. We're We're talking about even things like weather events. And what I discovered is, for example, there are more than twice the number of weather events that cost more than a billion dollars today than there were 20, 30 years ago. So there's a greater likelihood, either when we're home or when we're traveling, that things are going to happen that you have to plan for. Um, I had a client who was caught in the Texas snowstorm a couple weeks ago. Wow. And but they were they were ill prepared. They um, they hadn't they hadn't really kept up with the potential seriousness of it. They didn't have the things in the house. But it's being thoughtful that way. So as you're traveling, then are you aware of your surroundings? Are you thinking about alternate means of returning home? Are you thinking about changing your plans? I mean, when people travel to places like Florida in, in the hurricane season, they think about it, mm-hmm. and yet. Even recently, I want to say a couple of years ago, my family were at a point where they couldn't get out of Florida because they they couldn't be guaranteed that they could get enough gas to literally get out of the state. And and you say, how is that possible? Uh But that's what that's the kind of world that we live in today. Uh It's the notion of even kind of everyday things, thinking about them a little bit more and, and planning for them. Then on the security side, you know, I have a lot of people who talk to me about personal safety and about online safety. So I work with my clients about 
trying to maintain a lower profile in terms of their electronic image. Yeah. As as well as if they're getting harassed, then we start to take other steps. Um, we'll do the investigation, and if we need to do referral to law enforcement, we'll do that too. Wow. Yeah. You cover a lot of topics, Jack. Well, it's uh, I've had I've had a full life in Dell, and uh, I'm trying to provide that benefit to my clients. Well, great. Well, how can uh, our listening audience reach you if they want your wonderful services? A wide assortment of uh, risk management services. I have a website, fairriskconsulting.com, okay. and they can also reach me through you. I can be reached via email, Jack at fairriskconsulting.com, or my phone number. So. Um, Happy to, and also if, if any of your listeners or your clients have an interest, always happy to talk for free just to, so they get a better sense as to what I can provide and, and what my approach is. And, and then we go from there. Wonderful. Well, Jack, I'm going to repeat the spelling of your name because FAIR is spelled F-A-E-R. So someone can find you, FAIR Risk Consulting. And um, I really appreciate the time you give me today with your, with the, to speak on a podcast. And I've learned a lot. Well, Hindell, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. All right. Remember context. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at Hindell at GrossmanLTD.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.